Hello, everyone. Good afternoon. It's good to be with you guys. Um, as we get started, so I'm gonna so Jake doesn't wonder whether I did this or not the whole time. I'm setting this up, and that is this is the recording in case the other one doesn't work. There we go. All right. Um, so I just wanted to testify to a couple weeks ago there was a healing that happened, a complete healing in someone's back um, at the Crestmont campus. And I think it's important just to, you know, in upcoming weeks, we're going to have people giving their some of their testimonies, breakthrough stories in their lives and their relationships with Jesus. Uh, but it's important to keep these uh, things in front of us. Um, you know, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And so I just want um, to keep that before us and just give glory to God, right, um, because he heals today. So I did just want to say that. Um, and we're going to jump into this text, but first I want to honor, uh, it's, it's awesome, Kiara, that you already honored two women. Um, I want to honor the women in our church, and you know, the, all of these women preachers, you know, I think, I think Kiara referred to it at one point as fire women. Yeah, so like God is like manifesting that uh, in our church right now, and all this anointed preaching uh, from women, but then also in other areas of ministry, like you said about Gwen. I just affirm and agree with that, Gwen, and honor you right now, and just what God is doing among us, um, in particular among our women. So, um, But I believe it'll be on your screen here. If we could go to the text, Rashawn, of um, Exodus 3, verses 1 through 20. And so I'm going to ask you guys to read this out loud with me. Um, and that will keep us focused on it. And I also think, I also think God's going to speak different things to different one of us, like he does all the time, right? So, all right, let's read out loud together. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, Here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of the land into a good and spacious land a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, 
Hivites and Jebusites, good job, and now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now, go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. Go, assemble the elders of Israel, and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, appeared to me and said, I have watched over and seen what has been done to you in Egypt. And I have promised to bring you up out of your misery in Egypt into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. The elders of Israel will listen to you, Then you and the elders are to go to the king of Egypt and say to them, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. So I will stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptians with all the wonders that I will perform among them. After that, he will let you go. Pardon your servant, Lord. Oh, that's, that's later. All right. <laughs> that's later. Um, if you can go back. Yeah, that's good. Thanks for showing. All right. So that's a lot on one hand, right? But this is the story of Moses in the burning bush. And it actually continues into chapter 4. We won't be reading that today, but I'll be speaking to that at different points, as, as you saw on the screen there. But um, So, our preachers of this series have done an excellent job of talking about the broader picture of God's faithfulness in His covenant to His people, Israel, and uh, that which it foreshadows, right, which is ultimately God's redemptive plan through the new covenant in Jesus' blood for all mankind, right? And so I want to highlight that as well today, that every scripture, much less every story, every scripture in the Bible is Jesus' story. And this points to Jesus, and not only that, but I want to highlight where Jesus is in the text even. Okay, so 
400 years now, Israel has been oppressed by Egypt. And Egypt is a type of, as we've heard in past weeks, a type of kingdom of darkness, a type of empire. Um, and, uh, it's, and Pharaoh's a type of Satan uh, in this. And so we see that one, one commentator even says that the burning bush represents that Israel is persecuted but not destroyed. And we see that, that uh, Pharaoh is uh, a type of Satan in the way that he is oppressive to God's people and even persecuting them, but also just the worship of idols, uh, right? And uh, he does not worship the one true living God. Um, and so the love of money, the greed, uh, the sense of conquest and power you can see. I'm even thinking of like Joel preached a sermon on like the Leviathan and the Baal spirits and the kinds of spirits that, that work in accordance with one another on behalf of the kingdom of darkness. You can see this as prevalent in Pharaoh's rule. And so God's people cry out and he hears their cries in and their afflictions. He hears their cries. He sees their afflictions. And there's been a lot of crying in our community in the last weeks. Evidence was that was the manifestation of this sermon two weeks ago, right? <laughs> God came with a spirit of intercession, a spirit of uh, what some call travailing. And this is happening a lot uh, in our community. And the scripture is replete. The scriptures are replete with this pattern of uh, the oppression of God's people, um, the promise for deliverance, and then a fresh baptism. And so I had a dream, um, maybe a couple years ago now, but that I was in a room like this with some people worshiping and praying. And in the dream, I spoke in a tongue. And, the per and then a person in the dream interpreted it to mean the rain and the strain. That's it. They just said, it's the rain and the strain. And man, that encapsulates what's happening in our movement right now. Is this picture of sowing in tears and reaping with joy. And how many of you know that sowing in, those who sow in tears will reap with joy, that that was evidence that the next season for Aliquippa Impact, but greater than that for our movement as well, will be a season of joy and harvest in Jesus' name. And so, you know, a lot of times, can I teach within preaching for a second? A lot of times prophecy is really just agreeing with the promises of God um, because he's faithful. And when we know that word, that those who sow in tears will reap with joy, we can prophesy joy and harvest um, because God's promises are yes, and the church says amen. <laughs> and that's prophecy a lot of the time. Um, and so in 24 hours, three people came to me about, before, before that happened in our service two weeks ago, for those who weren't here and don't know what I'm talking about, um, the spirit of intercession came on the summer staff as we commissioned them, Aliquippa Impact Summer Staff, and it continued to intensify amongst others as well. People were being called to missions and, um, and just so good. And, um, you know, when Jesus does that, there's two things that are happening. I mentioned the one about sowing in tears and reaping with joy. Um, but the other is that we are identifying with Jesus' compassion 
for the liberation of sons. And I said that yesterday or last week. Um, and so there's a sense in which that is what is happening in our community too. And so, you know, Jethro means overflow. And so I feel like God's saying something right now for our community that just like in Joel 2 where there's weeping and mourning and fasting, afterwards there is an outpouring, a fresh outpouring of God's Spirit. And we're also seeing in, in that people would dream dreams and prophesy. And we're also seeing an uptick in dreams in our community. And, and so we are seeing the rain and the strain. Well, Jethro is Moses' father-in-law in this passage, right? And for the last 40 years, Moses has been on the other side of this mountain, Mount Horeb, and he's been tending to Jethro's flock. The Lord has kept Moses in these 40 years. He's kept him in family, he's kept him in friendship, and he's kept him with meaningful work. And we see that Moses is so disoriented still, though, right? And he is so unresolved in his, in his calling, in his purpose, and in his destiny. And it's so evidenced, right, by his response to God. And we're going to talk about his response really soon here. And so, um, you know, 2005 to 2008 was the darkest time in my life spiritually, um, I just remember just floundering. Julie knows this. I, I thought calling had to do with what you did and not who you were in Christ. And so I really, I hated my work. I felt like I was getting nowhere. I didn't, I didn't have a sense of purpose. I was becoming hopeless in that vacuum, was addictive patterns and behaviors. And how many of you know that as that, those things don't just, aren't just destructive for you, but they are for your relationships too? Sin always, always affects relationships. So this isn't just a story about me. It was about people I hurt too, right? But I, I mentioned an end time to that, right? Because in 2008, there was an appointed time in which God called me out onto mission. And for me, it was at Aliquippa Impact. So first he prepared my heart to make a transition. And then he gave me a tangible opportunity to say yes to something. But here's the deal. The mission didn't save me or resolve my calling, like my sense of identity in Christ. The mission didn't, didn't, didn't heal me. But what it did do was it put me in a context of something that was of greater purpose than of myself. And it also surfaced the crap in me that was behind my behaviors, right? What was the why behind my hopelessness? What was the why behind my addictive patterns and behaviors? And so God started to surface those things in the context of mission. He would do this in passages to come in the life of Moses, right? He is setting Moses up, and he's calling him out on mission where he will come into contact with God face to face and have some of these things resolved in him. But there was an appointed time. You know, this was 40 years he had been in this desert place, figuratively and literally. And 400 years, Israel had been in this place. And how many of you know, in Genesis, God prophesied that they would be in bondage 400 years. He wasn't late, friends. He was right on time in my story. He's right on time in Moses' story. He's right on time in Israel's story. And Kiara mentioned it a couple weeks ago when she preached at the Crestmont campus, right? Crestmont campus. Um, that... Forty years prior, Moses used 
Egypt's tools, or in other words, empire or the kingdom of darkness's tools against an Egyptian. When this Egyptian was harming a Hebrew slave, Moses killed this Egyptian. And you know, for some of us, it looks like our leadership looks like that, right? There might be signs on our leadership that point to the anointing or the purpose of God on our lives, like that in Moses' life, but he took it into his own hands and tried to do it his own way. And in fear and in pride and control, he wouldn't let go of hit that way of doing things or that tool of, the, of empire, and he chose to do it the wrong way. Well, we see in Moses here, in a less apparent way, uh, Moses is also demonstrating a false, in a false humility, a kind of pride. And some of, some of us will do this, right? Um, you know, who are you, God? I, what is your name? I don't know what to tell them who sent me. Uh, who am I, God, that I should go, right? And it looks so humble, right? It just looks so, like, holy and, and noble. Um, or, or what else does he say? Will, they, will the, um, the elders, in chapter 4, he goes on to say, the elders uh, what if they don't listen to me? Well, God said they would in this passage. <laughs> he said, the elders will listen to you. You're going to go. The elders will listen to you when you say to them. <laughs> and then he says, well, I'm not a good speaker. And then finally, if you can put up that next one, Rashad. Rashad. Pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. He just cuts to the, he's just finally like, look, I, all right, I just don't want to go. Okay, um, please just send someone else, please, you know, <laughs> and you know, like, it's so funny, because God already knows, like, all this is in him, right, and so, but he's still demonstrating that if I can't do it, it can't happen, right, if I can't do it, it can't happen, this isn't, this isn't going to work, because there's no faith or trust in God to do it his way, You know, I remember, like, deliverance can be a process, right? And so as God is setting us free from some things, sometimes for us it's like you still don't know how to do it God's way, even though he's freed you from some of the old ways of things. And Moses is kind of in this middle moment right now with God and trying to sort through this. And so, but if Mount Horeb is the mountain of God, to which the fire of God's manifest presence came, Moses is the man of God to whom the fire of God's manifest presence came. Moses is chosen by God. He's appointed and anointed for this. But I have a friend who told another friend, hey, listen, yeah, you're anointed to lead this, but it, it just has nothing to do with you. <laughs> and by that, he didn't mean God's going to use you as a tool and throw you out. I love what Joel said in communion two, uh, communion two weeks ago. God loves to do this stuff with us in the context of relationship and his perfect love for us. So it's not just him using Moses on mission. Like, look, I'm just using you as a tool and I'm going to use my power and, and then I'm going to throw you out. No, but, but he is saying, but it, but it is true that as, as Brooke said weeks ago, we're qualified by grace. We're qualified by grace and grace comes before the law. If you look at all the way back, God prophesied in his grace that though the enemy would strike this one's heel who was to come, that he would crush the enemy's head in Genesis 3. And, and so he prophesied in grace before the law came, right? Uh, he came to Abram and he gave him a covenant. 
this covenant of grace that came before the law. He would deliver God's people in passages to come through Moses by grace before he gave Moses the law at Mount Sinai. Grace comes before the law. And how many of you are glad that it didn't depend on Moses to set the captives free in Egypt? Can we just praise God that it didn't depend on Moses? And can we praise God that it doesn't depend on us <laughs> to set us free from our captivity, but that it depends on the one who is faithful and on the one who is able? And so in this passage, Moses demonstrates an orphaned heart, um, but God will work that out of him. You know, there is one who delivers us from our Egypt. Uh, there is a God. There is a man. There is a God-man, Jesus Christ, who sets us free from our Egypt, from our captivity. And, um, you know, Jesus, this is one who Moses prophesied about and of whom Moses was a type you see, Moses was a type of Christ in that he was a lawgiver, a deliverer, and a prophet. Uh, but he couldn't fulfill any of these identifications. Only one could fulfill all three of them. And Jesus fulfilled the law. Rashad, if you could put up the next thing. This is what, this, the, this is what heaven says about Jesus. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You've made them to be a kingdom and priest to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Jesus fulfilled God's and man's side of the new covenant in his blood, hence fulfilling the law. Jesus fulfilled the name prophet. Moses prophesied. There is a fellow Israelite, a prophet like me, who is to come. You must listen to him. And he fulfilled the prophets who spoke of him, right? When Isaiah said, you, he will be a branch of Jesse, that is, a descendant of David. Or uh, when they said, he will come out of Egypt, he will be a Nazarene, he will be born in Bethlehem. <laughs> All of these things that the prophets said came to pass through Jesus, this one. He fulfilled the prophets. Jesus fulfilled the Psalms, and Jesus fulfilled the name Deliverer when he said, I've been anointed to set captives free and to, uh, to set prisoners free and to proclaim the good news, the year of the Lord's favor, and to uh, recover the sight of the blind. And he said, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. <laughs> he fulfilled these identifications that Moses could not fulfill but was a type of. And Jesus didn't just say, I am the bread of life, or I am the resurrection and the life, or I am the light of the world, or I am the vine and you are the branches, or I am the door for the sheep, or I am the, the good shepherd of the sheep. And he didn't just say what he said to me about two months ago as I was falling asleep. I am he. I am he. I am he, which is a verse from when the Roman soldiers were looking for Jesus of Nazareth. And he said this, and at the power of his name, and the power of his word, they fell back at his answer. But he also said, Rashad, if you could put the next one up. Very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, 
I am. This fire, brothers and sisters, at the burning bush is the manifest presence of Jesus Christ. He is the great I am. He is the I am that I am. And I am is a name that means faithful and dependable, self-existent, infinite, glorious in all that he is and in all that he does. And that life has its source in him only. And this fire that burned on the bush that day would ignite in Moses' heart and ignite a faith to know who God is, but also who Moses was, not just as a liberator, but as a son. And he would walk in signs and wonders and miracles from a place of intimacy with God, for the Bible says that he was face to face We just said one look. We just sang that song, one look, right? Moses was face to face with God. And he knew God's ways. And Israel only knew God's acts. There's a difference. This is from this place of intimacy. I was just reading to my son, Roman, from uh, The Magician's Nephew by C.S. Lewis, where Diggory, the magician's nephew, he accomplishes a mission that Aslan sent him out to do. And just like in the picture of of what would come in Moses' life, um, the story goes on to say that Diggory did not worry about becoming conceited uh, because of his accomplishment, even though for all eternity this story would be told because he looked in Aslan's eyes. He had no fear of becoming conceited because Aslan, you may know, is, represents Jesus in C.S. Lewis' stories of the Chronicles of Narnia. But he looked in Aslan's eyes. And it was just like all that just melts away at the look of Jesus Christ, at the encounter, at the face-to-face walk in relationship with Jesus. Moses was a type of Christ in that he was what says of him in Numbers 12, the most humble man on earth. This is because he was face to face with one who is wholly other. (laughs) Guys, you want to know the secret to true humility versus that false humility that Moses is walking in in this passage, but that God would uproot and pull out of him? It's this face to face intimacy. There is no substitute. There is no shortcut to this experience of God at the burning bush as a way of life. In the tent of meeting, Moses would do this regularly. And then he would train up one to do it who did it better than him. (laughs) And so there's a whole other story of Moses in that as a leader, right? And so my main point this morning, if you could put that up, is that sons and daughters lead liberation movements. And true liberation movements are gospel movements. Because apart from the good news of Jesus Christ, there is no life. And so, sons and daughters through faith in Jesus Christ lead true liberation movements as Moses did here. And it's like Jesus is saying, as the great I am, as the Father sent me, and as he did to Moses here this day, he's saying to you and me, so I send you. Son, 
daughter, I'm sending you. I'm calling you up. I'm beckoning you from where you are. I'm summoning you to come up here. Come up here. Come up here and to how to have a view of yourself that is how I view you. Come up here to go where I sent you. Didn't, wasn't it Isaiah who said, uh, you can send me. <laughs> after, after he encountered God in such a way, it was just like, just, just send me. <laughs> um, because God wants to do it with us and he puts in our hearts to want to do it with him. And so, if, is Jake still here? No? Okay, that's all right. Oh, yeah, he is. Okay. Can you come and play, man? Can you play a little bit? You, like, came out of the tunnel, man. It's like, this is like WWE up in here. This is like, <laughs> came out of that. I was waiting for the intro music. Okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> thanks, man. Um, so, but, yeah, and so when he sends you, uh, he doesn't just give you favor with him and with man, but even with your enemies. If you can go to the next slide, Rashad. You're doing awesome, man. I have a lot of slides. Can we just thank Rashad? Give him a clap. Yeah. Uh, thank you for your ministry in general, man. Um, and I will make the Egyptians favorably disposed toward you. This is the next two verses from what we read together. So that when you leave, you'll not go empty-handed. Every woman is to ask her neighbor and any woman living in her house for articles of silver and gold and for clothing, which you will put on your sons and daughters. And so you will plunder the Egyptians. These people who oppressed you, you know, God is prophesying to Moses to say, you know, ask, ask them for their stuff. And not only will they let you go, but they'll give you their stuff. I remember in 2013 at Aliquip Impact, our staff went on a retreat and we started to pray for an after school program because we really felt burdened. Like we're doing like these good um, like social programs in the community. But if we're going to address this more head on, we've got to address like academics, you know, educational stuff here. Um, And so we really felt burdened that way collectively. And we started praying that um, God would give us an after school program. And nine or ten months later, we got an email from an agency. And in the email, it just asked, do you want the south end of account of the county for an after-school program? So that would include Aliquippa and all this funding to go with it. I was like, let me pray about it. Oh, yeah, we already did. Um, so after our emphatic yes, not long after that, so it's like that's, if that wasn't good enough, right? It's like we didn't even write a proposal for that. We just prayed. <laughs> um, that's not always how it works, but that, that's a cool story, right? And it's true. Um, but uh, at, not long after that, they asked to meet us at the site where the after-school program used to be run. Now, the people who did the after-school program weren't working there, so it wasn't awkward. But they said, yeah, we, we want to meet you there as this third-party agency who provides the funding um, so that we can open up for you and you can just take the stuff. So not only were they giving us funding to run this program, but they were giving us all these educational couches, recreational stuff. I remember being in the elevator with Joel, and he was like, it's like we're plundering Egypt. And uh, God loves doing this with us. I mean, how fun of a story is that to hear? But how fun of a story is that to experience? Like, he just wants our yes, right? 
and he meets us with his power. And I remember it was during that same time, 2013, 2014, for Joel and me both and for several others, God was doing all this like identity stuff in us, resolving like these things that he was, he would begin to resolve in Moses' life with this really kind of with this story, right? At this story, he starts to do this in Moses' life. Um, and it was in the context of mission, as I mentioned before. Um, but I would just say to you guys, if you're disoriented, like Moses was in, in the way that he evidenced that, like in, in his unbelief, if you're like, I'm unresolved, man, in my calling, in my purpose, in my destiny, I just hope that this is a, this is a message of hope for you, um, that when you look at this story, um, know that the scripture, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. He is not done yet. And if the news isn't, I've heard someone say it this way, if your news isn't good yet, then it's not over. Because <laughs> God is faithful. Look, this is rooted in his character, and he is good. Amen. If for others of you, you're like, I don't have what it takes to do what he's calling me to do. You're right. Congratulations. <laughs> Join the club. Like, but he is going to do it. And he has works prepared in advance for you to do. Guys, that's what it means to be anointed. It's not to have these like, it's not merely to have like these natural talents or wow, that person's so good at doing that. The anointing is the supernatural purpose of God on your life. It's the power at work in you that you might be able to do more than you've asked or even imagined. I mean, we were we never asked for standing in that elevator plundering all that stuff. We're standing there and it's like, this is the work I'm doing right now. Like according to his power at work within me, I'm like literally taking this stuff out of here and it's like all that all that stuff that he does with us on mission. And so I just want to encourage us regarding like identity. And when I say identity, I mean like who God says you are um, in Christ as a new creation. Regarding identity and inheritance that God has so much for us. He said, I'm always with you. And I feel like that's a word for someone this morning, that he's with you. And guys, I want you to know that's just not something he's doing sometimes. That is his, that's one of his names, is Emmanuel. Like he can't disown himself because he can't deny his nature. He's faithful. <laughs> he is always with you. And he says in his word, I am always with you and all that I have is yours. You know, it's it's funny for me that, um, and I mean, we've all done this. This is a picture of our humanity. Um, but like, Ad, like Adam and Eve, they ate from the tree because then they would be like God. But the reality was they already were, right? They believed the lie that they weren't made in God's image. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, God is calling us up to say, you, you already are as a new creation in me. And you already have everything that I have at your disposal. Amen? All right. God bless you guys.